I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Have you ever had a busy week? I'm sure you have. Uh, for me, that time came, uh, used to be, every uh, every September, right about right now, uh, my my whole world would just get turned inside out because I was uh, coordinating the Tulsa area uh, 40 Days for Life campaign. And it's one of those things that it takes just an immense amount of effort from a whole crew of people. Uh, and even so, uh, as the kind of point person for that for a number of years, that, that just completely dominated my 40 days. I used to think, gosh, it's just a, it's just 40 days. It's not a big deal. But then there's also all the planning beforehand. And so really, there were just several months in the year that uh, I was really not, <laughs> not, not on top of my game. Uh, I couldn't use my brain power for anything other than making sure that all the hours were covered, that the events were planned, that we had uh, everything in place uh, at the site. And um, I have to tell you, I absolutely love 40 Days for Life, and I love even more so that someone else is in charge of it now there in the Tulsa area. But this year, uh, this this week comes with busyness of its own uh, because uh, we are packing up our whole house. We've been in Lexington, Kentucky for just a little bit over a year, came out here uh, following the lead of God, and now we are continuing that uh, with saying yes to whatever it is that God has for us. And we are packing up the whole house again, uh, just uh, 14, 15 months later, and uh, crossing the country yet again as uh, we are trusting in the provision of God. So this is a very busy week, uh, as uh, just about the time that the show aired last week, a great conversation we had there with Allison Gingras about how devotion uh, really helps us to mitigate anxiety. And it was a very timely, uh, timely show because right about the time that was airing, uh, we were packing up the Penske and, uh, and getting ready to make that drive. And my wife looked at me and said, cause you know, you drive across the country, you unpack. And then I had, uh, some very important meetings that I had to be a part of, uh, on Thursday and just basically blowing and going from uh, from Saturday to Saturday. And my my darling, beloved wife, who's been here on the show with us a couple of times, uh, she looked at me and said, you know, have you ever run uh, a, a rerun on the show? Have you ever done a rebroadcast? And uh, maybe now's a good time to start. And I love my wife, absolutely adore her. And uh, I just... I looked at her and I smiled and I said, I don't, I don't think I'm capable of that. I don't think I can do that and miss the opportunity uh, to be with all of you. Uh, so what we did is uh, we pre-recorded this. You were hearing the, the dulcet tones of my voice uh, in the future because I actually recorded this last Friday uh, because I, there was just no way to be able to be here with you live. But I, I wanted to, to share with you this week uh, about 40 Days for Life. It started up this last Wednesday, and there are campaigns all across the United States, all across the globe. There's a, a campaign near you. So go to 40daysforlife.com, uh, take a look at what they're doing, take a look at, uh, at who they are and the mission and what's different about 40 Days for Life than traditional uh, 
pro-life activities. So I want to encourage you to, to get involved or at least, at least to examine it this year and take a look at what it is. Later in the show, we're going to be talking with Steve Carlin. He is the director of North American Outreach for 40 Days for Life. And we've had him on here a couple of times. Always a pleasure to have him. Uh, but we're going to be talking uh, about a few things that are different this year. We're talking talk about what's new with 40 Days and, and talk about how, how we, who have been doing this over and over and over again, how we can find uh, refreshment as, as it seems that this is one of those never-ending things. Like no matter how much you work at it, there's still more to be done. And that can be a little bit discouraging. Uh, so we're going to talk with him about how do you lift your spirits in the midst of something like that. Now, one of the things that I love absolutely truly am just a fan of with 40 Days for Life is their intentional focus on prayer and their intentional focus specifically on the mission. I grew up around uh, pro-life activities my whole life, and it seems like a lot of the organizations that are that are involved and they're doing good work and there's uh, benefit and positive uh, outcomes to what they're doing, anytime that they talk to you, they're telling you about some absolute emergency that if you don't step in right now with, uh, with your assistance and your, uh, your financial presence, your volunteerism, if you don't step in, uh, everything's going to fall apart and we're going to lose the whole battle and all the momentum we've ever had is going to go away. And I love about 40 Days for Life. I've never seen that. Uh, I, I really, I don't think I've ever seen them raise money. They've got the donate button, yes, uh, and they do sometimes ask for donations. They do it uh, at the end of everything else that they've said. But they're not out there to tell you how awful things are. And if they're not standing in the gap, then everything's going to fall apart. So you have to support them. What they do is they say, hey, we've had such great success. Let us tell you some of the stories that we are amazed at. And we are thrilled at what God is doing. And we've seen transformation in these people's lives. In uh, We've seen these mothers choose life. We've seen these mothers who have uh, been in dire straits. We've seen God really uh, come through for them. And we've seen people who have been involved even in, in the clinic side uh, who have worked for uh, an abortion provider who have had a transformation in their life. And now they've come out. And it's because of your help that we've been able to do this. It's because you go out and pray. It's because of all these things. And we would love for you to, to be a part of that on an ongoing basis. And, it, and so when they do ask for money, uh, which, you know, it takes money to run uh, programs to have the staff in place to do that. But when, even when they do ask for money, it seems like such a small, uh, insignificant thing like, oh, let us tell you all the amazing things that are going on for uh, an hour. And then, oh, by the way, for 30 seconds, if you want to support us, we'd love for you to do that. And for me, having grown up uh, in, in a home that was, my, my parents worked for a nonprofit, uh, and we experienced nonprofits constantly. I mean, half of the mail that came to the house was if we, if you don't get, if you don't give your support, uh, we're going out of business and, and don't let this great work of God go away. Right. Uh, and so it really began to feel very manipulative and, uh, and really, uh, patronizing, assuming so much from the people who do the work and, and, and support the ministry. And I love that 40 days for life puts the focus where the focus belongs. They, they invite us, you and I, into a, a different way of doing pro-life, a way that is surrounded by peace, that is completely and utterly non-judgmental. 
Uh, in fact, you may have heard of Abby Johnson. She used to work for a uh, for Planned Parenthood in College Station, Texas, and uh, and it was through the efforts of Forty Days for Life, through the peaceful uh, witness, through the 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 vigil that they do, through the prayer and fasting that they do, because they were approachable and kind. Uh, through that work, Abby Johnson uh, had a profound change in her life, and she left the clinic. Now she has this great ministry called, and then there were none where she, uh, she doesn't, she, she tries to end abortion by reaching out to clinic workers saying, you know, you didn't want to be this when you grew up, when you said, when you were a child and you said, when I grow up, I want to be, you had something different in mind. Come, let us help you financially. Let us help you, uh, emotionally and, and, uh, spiritually. And let's walk with you into something new. And they've seen just an, an, a tremendous amount of people leave the abortion industry uh, because of that accompaniment, because someone was there to be kind to them, that recognized the dignity of their personhood uh, and didn't see them as the enemy. You know, that comes back to the, the book of Ephesians. Uh, we see Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of this present darkness. And our, our enemy is the devil. It's the enemy of our soul, not our ideological opponent who just happens to have a different opinion than us. Even if they are, uh, you know, in the midst of grave sin, they themselves are not our enemy. And, and it's our job as the baptized, as those who have been called and redeemed by Christ, to be Christ's light in the midst of that darkness. And so that's what I love about 40 Days for Life is it gives us a tangible way uh, an entry point into being a light in the darkness. Uh, everyone who's a part of 40 Days for Life has to sign this statement of peace that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to behave peacefully. I'm not going to get riled up. I'm not going to, to shout at anyone. I'm, I'm going to behave uh, legally. I'm going to abide by the laws. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm not going to litter. I'm not gonna, I'm, all of these things that just seem like they would be common sense for those of us who belong to Christ. Uh, and, and it says it right out front. And so when we go into a 40 Days for Life campaign, we're not political. We're not going to talk about uh, specific legislation. There's a time and a place for that, but it's not in the midst of this 40-day vigil, this 40 days of prayer and fasting, of community outreach and peaceful vigil. So we're not going to talk politics. We're not going to talk uh, specific politicians or specific policies. We're going to talk about the fact that God has a better way and that we are here as witness that we love you, that we care about the life of uh, your child, that we care about your life as the mother, and that we care about the life of those people who are working in the clinics. And so it's through that, through that beautiful picture of what 40 Days for Life is, that you and I have an opportunity to make a difference in our own communities right now, right now. Uh, so go to 40daysforlife.com, check out the website, see which campaign is nearest to you and see if you can get involved. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking to Steve Carlin. He's the director of North American Outreach for 40 Days for Life. And it's going to be a great conversation. Don't go anywhere. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Don't go anywhere. There's so much more right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and the implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and here we are tomorrow is the uh, the first day of October. So you know what that means. It means that it's 40 Days for Life season. And of course, 40 Days for Life is a, a, an organization that runs, uh, that, that helps equip people all across the United States, all across the world. Uh, to come together for 40 days of prayer and fasting, peaceful vigil, and community outreach. Today, we have the Director of North American Outreach, Steve Carlin, here with us today. Steve, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. We're excited to be back. So this is, uh, this is the, you do two a year. I always think of September as uh, the, the season because in Tulsa, where I helped uh, coordinate 40 Days for Life for a number of years, we always did the, the fall campaign and not the spring campaign, but you do two a year. Uh, and this would be the 10th year that you've done it publicly, uh, in addition to that first one back in 2004. So first of all, happy anniversary. Thank you. Yes, it's hard to believe there have been a, a decade's worth of campaigns now. Nobody ever thought this would be more than that first campaign that you referenced in 2004, but here we are and we've seen this thing just sweeping the globe. Well, you know, I, I I'm going to talk a little bit about this because I grew up in the pro-life movement, you know, um, Growing up in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we, uh, we participated in the life chain. We participated in just, uh, you know, the, 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 there was a walk for life where you raised, you got people to contribute a certain amount for every step you walked, and then you walked a certain amount. You raised money for local pro-life. Uh, that's the kind of thing I did all the time. I had all the, the um, evangelical t-shirts that, that abortion stops of eating harder, what, a number of other ones that I would wear around. And, and so I had a very particular picture of what the, uh, the pro-life movement was, as most people do. Uh, and I came across 40 Days for Life and was immediately taken with it. Just absolutely love the concept that says, you know what, uh, we've, we've been trying to figure out how to bring an end to abortion. We've been, trying to, we've been investing our emotions and our energies and our strategies, and maybe what we need to do is pray and fast for 40 days and see, uh, remember that one, that God's in charge. And two, remember that through prayer, God guides us. And I think that the reason that this has taken off is because it's not so much a strategy or, or thinking, hey, if we can just be cunning enough, we can find a way to end this. It's, hey, let's turn our attention and fix our eyes on Jesus and see what he has to say. That is indeed the approach that we've always taken, Timothy, but I've got to tell you <laughs> a little bit of humility perhaps here is in order for us because when 40 Days for Life started, the four individuals who felt called to launch that first ever campaign, they did so as something of a last resort. They had tried to engage the political and legislative processes. They had tried to do superior marketing and outreach and all those tactical types of things that you talk about. And uh, it was in frustration when none of them panned out that they went to the Lord for one hour of prayer and they asked God, okay, we've, we've done it our way. How do you want us to go about this? And it was that hour where they came upon the idea of 40 days of prayer and fasting, 40 days of community outreach, and 40 days of peaceful vigil in front of abortion facilities. So that's where it came from. But you're absolutely right. You know, there are such temptations to look at perhaps Planned Parenthood or the abortion industry as a whole and say, well, you know, they've got all this great media campaign. They've got all this political power. And, and we might try to emulate them and try to match them in terms of force or money or power, any of those things. And we'll never be able to do it. And I don't think God wants us to do it in the first place. He loves working with day 
David going up against Goliath. He loves working with a teenage virgin, bringing the savior into the world. He loves the underdog story, and certainly we are happy to play that role of the underdog and let him win the victory for us. Something else I know from that story is that when they when they dedicated to do this, this was a, an act of obedience from these two couples that were gathered around that table. They were under the expectation that it could be just the four of them and they were going to take all the hours. If that's what it had to be, they were going to act in that obedience. And that small obedience has impacted, uh, I, I can't even, I don't even know the numbers of participants. I know that where I was, we had thousands of participants just uh, in the Tulsa metro area. And so uh, I, the first is the obedience to the prayer, but I, I want to even go back a little bit before that and say there was a prior obedience of uh, ecumenism because you had uh, a Catholic couple and a, and a Baptist couple who came and said, we're serving the same God and we're going to seek him together. And, and I think that out of that unity is born something that, that transcends tribalism, which is something that, that really, I think, affects us politically today. And so this gives us an opportunity to act uh, in, a, in a moral way, to seek the face of God uh, that, that supersedes any politics, that supersedes any tribalism that, that we could so easily fall into. You know, we know that we are many parts but all one body, and certainly there are times where we need to focus on ecumenical dialogue. There are doctrinal points that ought to be discussed and refined and and debated and all of those things. There's definitely a place for that. But I think there's also a place for us to come together under one big roof and focus on what we agree on and what is so critical to all of Christendom, all of Christian civilization. This is a a key issue in the West. We're seeing massive population decline in the West. We are seeing massive disregard for human life in the West. And if we can't come together on the issue of respecting the dignity of each and every individual human life, it will be very difficult for us to come together on some of these finer points in doctrine and dogma. Mm -hmm. Now, Steve, you're the director of North American Outreach, but that's obviously a a title that comes uh, after some growth. So talk to me about how you first got involved in 40 Days for Life. What did it look like you were in road uh, to be involved in this organization first as a volunteer before you came on staff? Well, we're coming up on uh, about 10 years now where my wife and I were newlyweds and we were living in Chicago. And my wife had a coworker who came into the office one day and said that she was pregnant, but, you know, don't anybody worry. She was going to take care of it. She was going to get an abortion. And everybody else in that office told her, you know, you've got to look out for yourself. Don't let anybody try to tell you this is some kind of a moral issue. You've got to look out for your future. Interestingly enough, my wife at the time was not actually pro-life herself. She would have Mm -hmm. described herself as pro-choice. She was a great little young moral relativist, but this was sort of a wake-up call to her. At the time, you know, did she care about abortion? No, she didn't. She thought if you know how many times does it happen a year? I don't know, maybe six or seven times. Obviously, we know those six or seven would be a tragedy, but she just didn't realize the impact of it until she came face to face with that crisis of abortion in her coworker, Angela. And my wife went, I'm really proud of her. She went from being uh, self-described as pro-choice one moment to within an hour offering this young woman whatever love, help, support she could, offered to let her come live with us, offered her financial assistance, offered even to adopt her baby. My wife was actually eight months pregnant herself at that time, so that's a big commitment. I was really proud of her. And Angela chose life 
But later on, her doctors pressured her back into an abortion decision. We were supposed to be having dinner with her. We couldn't reach her. She didn't show up to the restaurant. We found out at that moment she was actually having the abortion. And so we were heartbroken. We were devastated. And I promised myself whatever I could do to prevent even one more life from being lost, even one more heart from being broken by abortion, I would do it. And it wasn't all that much longer where I encountered 40 days for life for the first time. Got involved on the local leadership team. The next year, I ended up taking over leadership of the campaign in Madison, Wisconsin, altogether. And uh, we were blessed with a lot of success locally. And when the 40 Days for Life team expanded, I got to be blessed to be one of the guys who who filled a role here. So it's, um, you know, I started out as one of the local volunteer leaders, and uh, my heart is in very many ways still with those local leaders. I love to see the sacrifices that are made by people and in places like Tulsa, where you did phenomenal work leading a campaign, but also throughout the United States and around the world too. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that stands out about 40 Days for Life is the focus on who the real victim is right? That uh, we, we remember the scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And, and I think that a lot of people who have very good intentions, that they, they are focused intently on saving the life of the unborn. And that's, that's wonderful and it's right and it's just. Uh, but I think in those cases, a lot of times we lose sight of the humanity of the mother or the humanity of even the workers at the clinic. And, and I think that the the efforts that 40 Days for Life goes to, to remain peaceful in all that they do, uh, shining the, the light on the dignity of the human person, is why we see in 40 Days for Life so many uh, mothers and children choose uh, have life, why we see so many uh, abortion workers leaving the abortion clinics because of the witness, the peaceful vigil uh, that comes from the participants of 40 Days. Yeah, I mean, we know that we can find the Lord through those three factors of, of truth, of beauty, and of goodness. And I think this uh, current year has been described as the post-truth age. And that's something that I think is an important lesson for pro-lifers to recognize. We need to be able to articulate the pro-life position and the truth of it. And we need to be able to make the case and perhaps know some of those debating points. But we also need to recognize that's just one leg of a three-legged stool. And when people are increasingly in this age of moral relativism, tuning out the notion that truth is even possible to know or that truth even exists— I think sometimes the greater witness becomes that goodness and that love. And I can't tell you how many stories we've heard of people who didn't need to necessarily say anything, but when they were, you know, kneeling on the concrete sidewalk on a scorching hot day or they were out in the rain or the snow, we find more babies are saved from people participating in a 40 Days for Life vigil when the weather is terrible because it's that love. They will know us by our love. And nothing less than the force of love can take someone out into the blazing heat or the freezing cold in front of an abortion facility for an hour or more at a time. We're talking today with Steve Carlin. He's the director of North American Outreach for 40 Days for Life. Just started up this last Wednesday. Go over to 40daysforlife.com and find the, uh, the, the vigil nearest you. Uh, go out and pray and participate. Uh, not only that, but when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation talking about how 40 Days for Life has progressed over the last 10 years, what kinds of things you can look to, uh, tools that are available to you, including a brand new app, uh, and also, we're going to talk about how do you keep the fire burning when you've been doing it for so long. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Join the conversation on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. You're listening to Outside the Walls. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today, we're talking with Steve Carlin. He's the director of North American Outreach for 40 Days for Life, which is an organization dedicated to ending abortion through uh, 40 days of prayer and fasting, community outreach, and peaceful vigil. If you've never heard of them, now's the time. Go over to 40daysforlife.com. Right now, there's, as we speak, we are just a, a couple of days into this uh, this 40 Days for Life campaign. So th- there's 40 Days for Life all across North America. Steve, how many do we have this time around? Worldwide, we have 375 campaigns in 25 different countries. It's actually the biggest 40 Days for Life campaign we've had in history. Great. So obviously, there's, there's a good chance that one of these is nearby your house. Maybe you're going to be able to go and uh, pray for an hour. Maybe that's all you've got. Maybe you have to drive uh, half an hour to get there and you're going to stay one hour and you can only do it once during the campaign. Uh, this is the time to do it. Write it down. Uh, 40daysforlife.com. You can sign in. It'll tell you which one's nearest to you and you can get plugged in to those people who are already out there praying. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about uh, is you have a brand new app. It's available on uh, iPhone and uh, on Android. And people can download the app, sign in, it'll show them where the nearest campaign is, and it will make it really easy for them to sign up for ours. How would they go ahead and find that app? You can either go to the uh, Apple Store or to the Android Store. And you can also, if you want to just take a shortcut, just go to 40daysforlife.com slash app, 40daysforlife.com slash APP, and that'll get you where you need to go. One of the things that is in this app, a couple of things. One, there's a link to the store if you want to get some uh, 40 Days for Life swag, a nice shirt or a hat or an umbrella or whatever the case may be. Uh, But the other thing that's in there is maybe you don't know precisely what to say when you come up against people who uh, are antagonistic towards your point of view. Maybe you can't really articulate why it is you're out there. Well, there's a nice little FAQ of frequently asked question right in the app. Uh, where you can do some a little bit of research, a little bit of study, and ha- find a way to have an answer for those people who uh, may not understand why it is you're doing that. So uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm glad you referenced this section, Timothy, because one of the things that we have really noticed is I think the whole issue of being pro-life and the sanctity of human life, yes, it's something we need to make the case for, but for many of us, it's just intuitive. It's just something that is written on our hearts as part of God's natural moral law, and yet you get somebody who drives by as you're praying on the sidewalk and you know starts hassling you about some of these hard cases, rape, incest, life of the mother. Sometimes we don't exactly know how to respond to those questions, or maybe we're not on the sidewalk. Maybe we're at the end of the campaign, it's Thanksgiving dinner, and your belligerent uncle is telling you that the world is overpopulated. These questions come up all the time. And if you're not uh, eating, sleeping, and breathing this topic all of the time, it might be tough to come up with the answer. You know in your heart the truth, but it's hard to articulate it. And so we thought that this apologetics section, if you will, would be a great way to give folks a little bit of uh, the factual basis and a little bit of the philosophical responses to some of the things that we're so often hearing from the abortion industry and its supporters. Great. We're talking today with Steve Carlin, director of North American Outreach for 40 Days for Life. And Steve, uh, before we get to, uh, I, I want to eventually here get to the question of how do you keep the fire going when you've been doing this uh, year after year, and maybe you, you're a little uh, discouraged. But before we get there, uh, I do have one other question. You've got these campaigns that are all over the world. 
But for some people, the drive is just too far. They want to be involved. They want to be a, a participant in, in making a difference. Uh, what are the things that you can do uh, if you can't make it to the campaign location uh, to stand out in Peaceful Vigil? What can you do to make a difference in these 40 days? Certainly, there are a lot of things you can do to participate in 40 Days for Life remotely. I mean, one of those three components is prayer and fasting. That is something we can do from anywhere. And I think fasting is really sort of a a hidden treasure or a lost art for people of faith. Pray and fast, and the Lord answers those prayers. You can also perhaps uh, contact your local campaign team, local being wherever the closest one is, and ask right. if there's anything you can do to support that campaign team remotely. Those folks usually need someone to help make calls or write emails. There are a lot of different ways that you can participate without being on site. And uh, you know, even beyond this, the scope of 40 Days for Life, your community, very likely, even if it doesn't have a 40 Days for Life vigil, probably has a crisis pregnancy center or some other pro-life apostolate that is serving women who are facing a very difficult decision, and you can help be part of them finding the resources and the help that they need to make the right decision there. So, uh, you know, we talked earlier about many parts, but all one body. I think the pro-life movement works that way, too. If you aren't able to get out to the vigil, that does not mean there's not a place for you to get involved and make a difference. Right. You know, uh, there's this uh, statement, and I, I think it's Mother Teresa, but I, don't quote me on that because I may be, I may be incorrect. But this idea that we, we pray— uh, and yes, God hears our prayers and God changes things. But very often the way God changes things is by changing us as we interact, right? And so through our prayers, God God transforms us. And so for me, that's a lot of what I tried to do in our campaign with 40 Days for Life is to, to make people aware internally of what's going on, just as it happened with your wife, as she became aware of uh, the impact of abortion, all of a sudden her heart was stirred uh, to action. And so as we begin to really become aware of what's at stake and we begin to see the humanity of the mother and of the workers in the clinic and, and as we begin to see really the spiritual battle that's going on, that stirs us to act in a very physical way, whether it be through supporting local crisis pregnancy centers, pregnancy resource centers, uh, or, or whether it, you know, whether it be volunteering at a, at a home for single mothers or whatever the case may be. Yeah, it it's a uh, it's really faith and works, and certainly that's one of those doctrinal issues that <laughs> that right. we don't need to hash out at the vigil site. But we know from scripture that faith without works is dead, and certainly during these 40 days, it's an opportunity for us to take that prayer, take that fasting, and let it serve as an engine for other areas of engagement. And I think that those things really play off of each other because the more that we serve, I think the more it leads us into prayer. So it can really be a way to spiral up into a more uh, wholesome spiritual life. I've got a friend who I got involved in 40 Days for Life the first year I was ever part of it. And uh, at the end, I asked him, you know, what did you think? Were you glad that you did this? And he said, it was like being on a 40-day personal retreat. I thought that was a great way to put it. So now let's talk about those who have been involved year after year, uh, who maybe they've, they've just gone out, maybe they were the ones who were out there uh, once a week or, or a couple of times a week at the vigil site, and 
there get they get you get tired, right? You you do the same thing and and you begin to wonder, am I really making a difference? Is this really doing anything positive? Can't I just pray from home? Uh, any number of other questions along that line. What would you say to someone who may be faltering a little bit, losing a little bit of the passion for it, or maybe just feels really downtrodden from uh, from the the abuse that they've gotten, whether it be from family or for uh, passing cars? What would you say to them? that would give them encouragement and strength to continue the work? I'd actually encourage a lot of those folks to take a break. Don't give it up entirely, but go on retreats or take a season off. Uh, This is a heavy topic, and we need to put our spiritual life first. And I think we've found through 40 Days for Life, you get different types of folks who participate in it. There are some people where the despair of the heavy topic of abortion really is something that can weigh them down. And so sometimes they just get frustrated. They walk away. You never see them out again on the sidewalk. Some folks take that despair in an even more uh, counterproductive turn, and they become the angry pro-lifer, right? The bitter person who's got criticism for everybody. Neither of those options are healthy. I think what we need to do is maintain a healthy prayer life. Always put prayer first. Sean Carney, our president, always encourages us to read the soul of the apostolate, which helps us uh, guide us in that direction. But if we put the prayer life first, I think it will lead us toward balance. There are people where, uh, you know, they, they get all passionate, they're all fired up, and sometimes you lose track of things like your vocation, your job, other things. So certainly we encourage everyone to make a tremendous sacrifice, but don't hesitate to take that spiritual time for refreshment and renewal either. Now, you you just skipped right over that. You said it real quick and someone was going to miss it, but you brought up uh, The Soul of the Apostolate by Dom Chatard. And uh, we're going to put a link to that on our social media because this is a book uh, that was on the nightstand of uh, Pope Pius X, right? This is his spiritual reading. uh, And this is a book that if you've never heard of it, if you've never read it, and you're involved in any kind of ministry outreach, uh, which you should be as a Christian, it's part of your baptismal uh, heritage, right, is that we now enter into the the work of ministry. Uh, If you have not read this book, you need to go stop what you're doing uh, during the commercial break, which is coming right up. Go to Amazon, go to Tan Books, wherever you can find it and get a copy of this book. Uh, Put it on your nightstand, use it as your spiritual reading. Uh, And so uh, thank you for bringing that up. That's really an excellent point. Yeah, it's uh, it's a point that can't be overlooked. We had uh, an, an interview that we did with Father Paul Scalia recently, and he said, you know, sometimes the most pro-life thing you can do is to have that authentic life, and that does involve balance. And that's why 40 Days for Life is a 40-day thing. Afterwards, we're going to quit fasting, and we're going to feast, and we're going to celebrate the Lord's blessings. But there's a very, I think, rhythm, uh, there's a great rhythm to the spiritual life, and when we are going 100 miles an hour all the time, we're going to redline it, right? We're going to burn out. And this is a great opportunity for us to kind of keep the rhythm going and uh, take a break if you need to. It's okay. Don't feel like the world is on your shoulders. There's a form of humility in that sort of resignation to God's will too. He can do it without us. He chooses to do it with us. And let's make a smart decision about how we choose to get involved. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We've been talking today with Steve Carlin. He's the director of North American Outreach for 40 Days for Life. Uh, it is a, uh, an organization dedicated to 40 days of prayer and fasting, community outreach, and peaceful vigil to bring an end to abortion. Go to 40daysforlife.com and see where they are in your area and join. Be a part of what they're doing. Uh, we're going to continue our time together right after this break 
In the meantime, go over to social media and join the conversation, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. I'll see you there, and we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We've been talking today with Steve Carlin, the director of North American Outreach for 40 Days for Life, uh, and had a great conversation with him. Uh, I learned some new things I wasn't aware of yet. Uh, He had a couple of great stories to tell us, and, and he actually has some more stories to tell us. Uh, have an extra unbroadcast segment. Didn't make it here to the radio, but it is available over if you go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click on the Patreon uh, Support the Show link. And right there, there's a whole bunch of extra content that is just yours for the taking for a small donation to the work that we do here at the show. For as little as $2 a month, you can get all kinds of extra content, including unbroadcast segments. There's lots of different levels of support and lots of different gifts that you will get by being a part of the the work that we do here at the show. So click that Patreon link and straight away, right there, as soon as you do that, you can download that extra conversation that I had with Steve. He told me uh, his favorite story that he's personally experienced being on the front lines of 40 Days for Life. It's a, it's a great story, and it's well worth the little bit that uh, that you give to help support us. Uh, it's well worth it. You get that unbroadcast segment as well as the unbroadcast segments for several of the shows. We've been doing this for uh, several months now where we have that extra segment. You get access to all of it. So again, go to OutsideTheWalls.com and click on Patreon, support the show, find that extra segment. Now, uh, while you're at it, over at 40daysforlife.com. If you missed any part of the show and you want to share it with someone else, whatever the case is, uh, we've got all the shows archived. Uh, what's, whatever we broadcast over the air, immediately, as soon as the show's over, uh, goes up online. So why don't you go over to outsidethewalls.com, catch up on what you missed, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. Uh, I'd appreciate it, and I bet you they just might as well. So we're going to take a look now at our reading from Scripture and from church history. And uh, this comes from tomorrow's reading, and it's just perfect for us. Uh, specifically, as we're talking about uh, the, the enemy of our souls that we are in spiritual warfare with, uh, we turn to the book of Revelation, and we see the description of that war. And we see war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels battled against the dragon. The dragon and its angels fought back, but they did not prevail. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The huge dragon, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world, was thrown down to earth, and its angels were thrown down with it. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have salvation and power come, and the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his anointed, For the accuser of our brothers is cast out, who accuses them before our God day and night. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Love for life did not deter them from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. That reading comes from the book of Revelation, and I want to call our attention to a very specific thing. Uh, if you feel like you're having uh, difficulty overcoming uh, the, the accusation of the devil, here is the prescription. 
if you want to overcome uh, the, the temptation and overcome the devil, we see here in retrospect how it's done. And it says they conquered him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So here we have two very important things. The blood of the lamb that we receive through the Eucharist, that we sacramentally are given uh, the, the fruits of his sacrifice, and secondly, the word of their testimony. Uh, we, you may have dark things in your past. You, you may have uh, things that you have overcome. Uh, you may have difficulties that you've walked through through no fault of your own, and you can look back on it and see the hand of God in that thing. As we recount those, those tales, as we tell those stories, the word of our testimony, uh, that not only helps us individually to overcome the devil, but the power of that testimony of God working in us through those difficult situations now becomes a bridge for someone else to walk across. It becomes the catalyst for someone to say, wait a second, God did it for them. Surely he'll do it for me. And as we are involved in 40 Days for Life, as, as it's that time of year, it's uh, occupying my mind. That's the kind of thing you have to think. Uh, what, what has God delivered me from? And I'm going to use that story uh, as, as a weapon. I'm going to, not against another person, uh, but on behalf of another person. Uh, today's reading from church history comes from uh, the beginning of a letter to the Philippians by St. Polycarp. From Polycarp and his fellow presbyters to the Pilgrim Church of God at Philippi. May you have mercy and peace in abundance from Almighty God and Jesus Christ our Savior. I rejoice with you greatly in the Lord Jesus Christ because you have assumed the pattern of true love and have rightly helped on their way those who were in chains. Such chains are becoming to the faithful. They are the rich crown of the chosen ones of our Lord and God. I am glad, too, that your deep-rooted faith proclaimed of old, still abides and continues to bear fruit in the life-giving power of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, for our sins, did not refuse to go down to death, and God raised him up after destroying the pains of hell. With a glorious joy that no words can express, you believe in Christ without seeing him. This is the joy in which many wish to share, knowing that it is by grace that you are saved and not by works, for so God has willed through Jesus Christ. So prepare yourselves for the struggle. Serve the Lord in fear and truth. Put aside empty talk and popular errors. Your faith must be in him who raised our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead and gave him a share in his own glory and a seat at his right hand. To him, everything was made subject in heaven and on earth. All things obey him who will come as judge of the living and the dead. All who refuse to believe must answer to God for the blood of his Son. He who raised him from the dead will raise us, too, if we do his will and keep his commandments, loving what he loved, refraining from all wrongdoing, fraud, avarice, malice, and slander. We must abstain from false witness not returning evil for evil, nor curse for curse, nor blow for blow, nor denunciation for denunciation. Always remember the words of the Lord who taught, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Be merciful, and you will find mercy. The amount you measure out to others will be the amount measured out to you. Blessed are the poor and those who suffer persecution, for theirs is the kingdom of God.
That reading comes from uh, the beginning of a letter to the Philippians by St. Polycarp. And I want to draw a couple of things out of that as I look at it. And specifically in regard to the conversation that we had today regarding uh, our public witness uh, standing up against moral problems, uh, against injustices. Because abortion is an injustice, not only to uh, the child who loses its life, uh, but also to the mother who very often uh, is completely at Uh, either feels pressured or by another person directly or by her circumstances or feels as though life is, uh, in this case, hopeless. And so uh, it's an injustice to her because society is not supporting her in the way it needs to. We as Christians are not supporting her in the way that we need to. And so we need to take a look at this uh, from from what we are told today by St. Polycarp. The first that I want to show you is... We need to love what Christ loved. Remember, he who raised him from the dead, God who raised Jesus from the dead, will raise us, you and I, if we do his will and keep his commandments, loving what he loved. Now, what what did Jesus love? Jesus loved the poor and the sinner and the outcast. And the, the Catholic Church has what we call the preferential option for the poor. And when the church speaks about the preferential option for the poor, yes, it does refer to material a poverty, but it does not only refer to material poverty. If you read the the teaching, the Catholic social doctrine of the church, uh, you're going to see that uh, the church views spiritual poverty in a very similar way to to monetary, to to material poverty. And so, we, you and I, as we love what Christ loved, as we love who Christ loved, it's going to shape the way that we have these discussions. Uh, refraining from wrongdoing, fraud, avarice, malice, slander. You know, it's really easy to find the worst in our ideological opponent, to see someone who's doing something that we think is morally wrong and putting them in that box that we say, this is wrong in every case, and I can't believe that this person's doing that, and they just must be an absolutely horrible person. Uh, you know, we can judge actions. Uh, the church does give us, the scripture does call us to to judge actions, Uh, we call it discernment in that case. But we are told by Christ not to judge the heart. Rather, to to give that person the benefit of the doubt, to look at them and say, you know what? God loves you. And, And he doesn't love you in some trite Sunday school way. God really has great affection for you. And then to share that, to not, not just verbally, but to actually model that love of God for this person to be peaceful, not returning evil for evil or curse for curse or blow for blow or denunciation for denunciation, but rather being merciful, being forgiving, being kind. And kindness is not just nice. Kind is something extremely powerful. In fact, uh, in Romans 2, Paul says that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And if, if God's kindness leads us to repentance, then if, if we model God's kindness, if we reflect God's kindness to those who are far from him, that kindness will draw them. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Today's show was brought to you by Ryan and Sarah Jepson and all the other folks who support us through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon Support the Show link, and see how you can get involved and get cool stuff in the process. 
Uh, join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. This conversation goes all week. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>